Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Hello and welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and welcome to the post-Oscar show Wow, it was an amazing, fantastic Oscars this year. Congratulations to all the winners and also nominees. It was a fantastic year for women in film. Not only did Frances McDormand make one of the best Oscar speeches ever by having everyone stand up, all the female nominees stand up and take in how powerful women in, in the filming industry is. It was truly spectacular and what a night it was. And congratulations to Guillermo del Toro, one of my favorite directors of all time, winning not only Best Director, but Best Picture, Shape of Water. Uh, truly a fantastic night, great nominees, great winners. Also, Coco winning Best Picture, fantastic, Viva la Mexico. It is a wonderful, wonderful day for film. So we have another year of movie making to watch and see and witness. Until the 91st Oscars, we will see in next year. With that said, we have a wonderful show for you today. We're going to be talking about some wonderful Studio Ghibli films like My Neighbor the Totoro. And we have a special guest today. We have Dave Justed from Studio Ghibli and G-Kids talking about their new release of new DVDs for Studio Ghibli. We're also going to be talking about My Daddy is in Heaven with the amazing Rebecca Crownover. We're also going to be talking about A Dark Gone Adventure. It's going to be a wonderful show. All right, Clayton, take it away. Thank you. So, Mr. Justed, you have some exciting news for us today. G-Kids is re-releasing the DVDs to the Studio Ghibli collection. These DVD sets include tons of bonus content. I recently reviewed four of them for Kids First, and I have to say they are a must-have for any Studio Ghibli fan. Let's start (laughs) with my personal favorite, Howl's Moving Castle. I really enjoyed the the behind-the-microphone featurette. Can you tell us more about it? Uh, Studio Ghibli really, I think, had an amazing run, uh, with, especially with their later films. Really, pretty much all their works have these really amazing English dubs that include like really top-level like Hollywood stars. I mean, Studio Ghibli, for those who don't know, is probably one of the preeminent animation studios in the world, but they're based in uh, in Japan, so all their films are originally in Japanese. For Howl's Moving Castle, you know, they had a, a dub. This was back in, gee, would have been about... 12 years ago or so, they had uh, Christian Bale and Emily Mortimer and Billy Crystal and some other like really uh, impressive stars in it. So, you know, one of the bonus features they did is they've always been pretty lucky at having cameras in the recording booth to also, you know, capture some of the performances when they uh, dub the films and um, get to talk with some of the stars about being involved in the films. I think one of the things that's really interesting is so often when you record like a new kind of a new Hollywood animated movie, a lot of people record voices first record the voices first and then like a year or two later the animation will be done and it will be animated to the voice and that will kind of make it look really seamless but in this case it already exists in Japanese and so all these actors are actually recording the lines over in English to voice to mouth movements that are already there and so it's really a pretty impressive technical feat to both hit the uh, the mouth movements and make it look like they're speaking English to begin with, and then also capture uh, the the acting intensity and the range that you would expect from someone doing a performance for the very first time. So uh, that's always really impressive to watch. And then also just to, I mean, to hear some of these stars talk about their involvement with the studio and um, their familiarity with the films, a lot of them, especially for later films like Howl's Moving Castle, the, the, vo- the voice talent is like talking actively about, you know, how important those two Ghibli films like My Neighbor have been to showing their kids. I think that's uh, also a really fun and impressive uh, testament to really the studio's ability to tell stories that I think have really touched all kinds of, of lives in terms of uh, people who are sort of regular fans and the people who are actually in the ability or in the position to be in uh, really impressive <laughs> English dubs as well. So. Yeah, so that's been a really uh, fun part of uh, putting the DVDs together is uh, going back into the archives and finding all the kind of various tapes that were sitting around, both for uh, those recording sessions as well as documentaries and things like that that were talking about the original production in Japan. I also must ask, how did these huge uh, Hollywood stars get involved? So I think a lot of them were, I mean, it, it depends on the, the era, but um, Studio Ghibli has existed, you know, for uh, for over 30 years now. And, uh, and it really took up until around the early uh, 2000s for, I think, uh, Hollywood to pay uh, attention. The first kind of big film to get uh, a, a large kind of 
quote-unquote Hollywood voice cast was Princess Mononoke, which was in uh, 1997. And that had a really impressive cast through Miramax. But it wasn't really until Spirit Away, I think, won uh, the Academy Award in 2001 that uh, you really started to see Studio Ghibli sort of enter the mainstream. And I think also Japanese animation as a whole or anime has also really uh, had, I think, a, a much more sudden rise than maybe people imagine. I know for me, um, I grew up with my neighbor Totoro on VHS, and so it's always been kind of a VHS tape. Uh, and it's always been part of my uh, of my life. But um, to n- just think about you know all these like really popular uh, Japanese anime shows and movies and things like that, and to think that this whole category was really not all that popular in America until like ten years ago is sort of insane. Uh, so I think a lot of it has come together pretty recently in terms of sort of a creative exchange of ideas between countries and a better availability of the films the, in their original language. And people just sort of, I think, latch on to, to high quality movies. I mean, we've dubbed in English several other films that you know have been a part of. And I find that it's always easier to get sort of Hollywood stars involved in a film that is really good because, you know, even if the budget is really low, people just want their kids to, be, to see them in something really good and to be a part of something that feels special. I think, you know, that's uh, a really important thing for anyone. The Howl's Moving Castle DVD set also includes a bonus short called Miyazaki's Visit to Pixar. This is a wonderful bonus behind-the-scenes look at the relationship between these two animation titans, Miyazaki and John Lasseter. How did that relationship come about? Yeah, so uh, when the titles originally came out, you know, they were under the the guidance of, of Disney. We actually inherited the library from Disney last year. But within Disney, it was obviously, uh, I think, the guiding hand of Pixar, who have now merged with them. But were previously, I think, really active champions of, of Studio Ghibli's place, you know, within this really large company. And I think that was really a mutual friendship between Studio Ghibli and Pixar because both studios, I think, really recognize a lot of the same creative ideals. And they recognized that they were both making like really high quality films that were celebrated by reviewers as well as by audiences and feeling that sort of creative friendship even between uh, Japan and America. So they ended up uh, having Miyazaki do a surprise visit to Pixar to surprise the staff with the screening. And, and he makes very few appearances in America. So that was a really, a really special treat for everyone. And I think uh, not just in that featurette, but in other interviews with Pete Docter from Pixar and other, other folks, you can really see, I think, a deep respect between the studios and also a really, I think, interesting uh, exchange of ideas. Like in uh, Toy Story, there's a Totoro toy. I think Toy Story 3 it is. But they would continue to kind of call out, I think, each other's films uh, back and forth and this is really just kind of part of that legacy i think thank you for that you've been listening to kids first coming attractions i'm your host keeper blakesley we've been talking to the wonderful jave destet talking about the studio ghibli collection we're also going to talk to the wonderful rebecca crown over about my daddy is in heaven we'll also be talking about the films my neighbor the totoro and a doggone adventure take it away clayton and continue your interview so mr Justed, let's talk about Kiki for a minute. I think Kiki's Delivery Service is one of the most charming, lighthearted Ghibli films. Miyazaki uses a strong female character here, which is a harbinger of his later films. What do you think about the strong female characters Miyazaki creates? I think they're great. I mean, it's a shame that I think that's one of the things that Studio Ghibli is really known for, is having really strong female characters and heroines in almost every one of their films. I think actually every one of their films. But, you know, while I think that's a really uh, important legacy, I guess it also gives me pause that it shouldn't be that special. But but here we are. I mean, I think it's a really, it's really cool. I think it's something that really gives people, gives kids and boy and girl audiences really. I don't think, I want to, don't want to be patronizing and say like, oh, there's finally... Uh, representation, because I think that really one of the nice things is that it really provides an opportunity to see a really fun fantasy story and a big adventure and not have to face these weird limiting questions like, oh, will people watch this really fun uh, comedy or this really amazing adventure if it stars a girl instead of a boy? I mean, I just feel like a lot of those questions are should be hopefully uh, irrelevant uh, these days. And I'm really happy that uh, Hayao Miyazaki and uh, Isao Takahata as directors and Studio Ghibli as a studio were out there making that case far back as 30 years ago. So, Booted Away is known to be the only Miyazaki film to win an Oscar. What defining features do you think Booted Away has that led it to winning Best Animated Feature? (laughs) Yeah, I think it's obviously a classic. It's uh, the first film 
I think a lot of people think of when uh, when you say Studio Ghibli, if they know what Studio Ghibli as a studio is, then I think immediately their minds either conjure Spirit Away or My Neighbor Totoro. Uh, a lot of people who don't know Studio Ghibli as a studio still know Spirit Away. It's one of the, the top-selling uh, DVDs. It's perennially been a sellout uh, in theaters. We've continued to, to screen it in theaters for, for years, and I think it's actually playing again in theaters uh, this October. And it's just, it's a really remarkable film that takes I think the sort of the fantasy adventure style of Studio Ghibli and their their really detailed animation and their just jaw-dropping designs and really just takes it to a whole other level in terms of just being really ambitious in scale and, and very epic and so I think that was definitely really appealing and I think the fact that uh, it was one of the very first films to get wide distribution from Studio Ghibli wide theatrical distribution here really helped as well when it won. I think that was a lot of audiences' first taste of this style and something that we've now take for granted, I think felt really fresh and new, just the way the film does now. I mean, it still is really impressive, but I can't even imagine. I remember seeing it in a theater <laughs> uh, 16 years ago or 17 years ago at this point and, and being blown away. And I still feel that way when I see it you know, all this time later. So yeah, I think just the, the sheer newness of it, I think also had a really, uh, really big impact. Mm, that's uh, also one of my favorites as well. So let's touch on the Napping Princess DVD release, which was directed by Kenji Kamiyama. I found it very imaginative and the ma- animation was great. Can you tell me more about this release? Sure. So Napping Princess is uh, the new film from Kenji Kamiyama, who was involved in Japan on the Ghost in the Shell series, which is kind of like a more adult sci-fi series. And I think it was really interesting for him. He was really thinking a lot about uh, technology and the and the way that kids and families interact with technology and actually whole countries. I think one of the really fun things about Napping Princess is that there's this element that is complete fantasy land. It's the main character is a narcoleptic and so she can't help going to sleep and that's why she's a Napping Princess. But every time she goes to sleep, like in the middle of class or at home, she's sort of carried away into this fantasy world. The fantasy world is actually based on a bedtime story that her father told her since she was a young girl that has some clues about her own family that or her mother especially that she didn't know really growing up. And so she doesn't really know the story of, of why her mother isn't there. And so a lot of those uh, details are sort of in this, this fantasy world and she has to kind of discover that for herself. But in the uh, in the real world, uh, it's set several years in the future, which I think is always a really fun take on on science fiction. A lot of people think of science fiction, and you think of like flying cars and really crazy technology. But I think he had a lot of fun just imagining three or four years from now, and would everyone be walking around with virtual reality headsets, or would everyone have you know the uh, their phones constantly out in front of them? Uh, or self-driving cars, or things like that. And so I think one of the fun things for him was really experimenting between this fantasy world that does have a lot of unique characters and and a lot of like fun dream action, and then this real world that is kind of like our own, but also different enough to be, in its way, also uh, like a fantasy world. Uh, before I let you go, can you tell us the release date of all these DVDs and where they will be available? Yeah, so the Studio Ghibli titles are all out now. Uh, they're on DVD and Blu-ray. They're also, funnily enough, only really available on DVD and Blu-ray. They're not available on Netflix or, or iTunes or anything like that because Studio Ghibli just loves <laughs> they love DVDs. So those are all available now. You can buy them either online or uh, they're available in a lot of stores. Um, I think Walmart actually just started carrying a lot of them as well. Napping Princess was just released last month, and so that's also out in stores and also online. And that's also available on digital, like iTunes and things like that. So I encourage everyone to check it out. I mean, Studio Ghibli, those films are some of the most uh, iconic animated and family and uh, every other genre you can think of films imaginable. So for me, uh, they are one of the great contributors to film in general, not just animation. I think that the world's a much richer place for having them. And uh, it's also really fun to be involved in new films like Napping Princess that I think are continuing to push animation into, into weird new places and I think are really enjoyable uh, adventures for all ages. So. I recommend checking them out. Thank you uh, for letting me interview you. It was uh, great. Wonderful job, Clayton. This was his first time interviewing on the show, so it was a great job. Thank you so much for listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Let's take a break because I need to run over to Walmart right now to get those DVDs. This show is sponsored by Guess How Much I Love You and Enchanting Easter. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh. Turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Samantha Marcus, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about G-Kids Studio Ghibli titles, Shout Factory Napping Princess, and next we'll be talking with Rebecca Crownover about My Daddy is in Heaven. So I'm going to pass it over to Raquel. Okay, thank you. Hi, Ms. Crownover. It's such a pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you, Raquel, for having me on. I am so um, excited to be on talking with you today. I had the pleasure of um, screening your film recently, and it really touched me. I'm impressed how you took your own personal tragedy and turned it into, you know, a life-affirming story. I love the movie. There's so many things about it, the emotional, everything that happened. But um, when you wrote this story, did you ever imagine it becoming a film? I did not. You know, back in 2009, my husband was in an ATV accident and I lost my um, husband. And and at the time, uh, my daughter was two and a half years old. And, um, you know, I was really just kind of looking for a book to help her along and and help her kind of go through the hard times that she was feeling and suffering. And and while we were going through our journey, um, I didn't really find the book I was looking for. But ultimately, I ended up writing a book out of our own um, personal grief and the things that we went through. And that book became My Daddy is in Heaven with Jesus. And at the time, I had no idea, Raquel, that that when I wrote that book, that A, it was going to help a lot of people and a lot of kids find comfort in a time of loss, but B, I never thought it would turn into a film that it has today with uh, My Daddy is in Heaven. That sounds like it was tough, like you came through a lot of things to make that happen. What was it like to work with the screenplay writers? Were you very involved with the process of turning it into a screenplay? I was very involved and, you know, coming from, you know, a background of more more along the lines of being a children's book publisher, I didn't know a lot about the movie industry or what went into putting a movie together. So it was a really big learning process for me. And Nacer Entertainment is the one that I worked real close with and we worked real hard together to put together the script. Um, we spent lots of hours on the phones, lots of exchanges of emails, and ultimately um, came up with a screenplay. I, I didn't even know that, you know, screenplay is about 100 pages long. Um, you know, I never knew how long they really were. So um, I was very involved in that process, and I learned a lot through that process just about how a film is put together um, on paper first. That's so you've had a lot of experience with that and. Waymon Boone was not only one of the screenwriters, but also directed it. Um, I mean, yeah. So how was that, you know, shooting with him, the actual film? Waymon Boone is so talented and gifted. I'm telling you what, he 
When I went on set to actually watch them film this movie, My Daddy is in Heaven, it was very timed, very organized, one from one scene to another. And Wayman was there every step along the way, making sure everything was done right. Um, you know, they just, they, you know, as they filmed each and every scene, uh, making sure that, you know, each one was, was filmed just correct by, you know, not just necessarily to the script, but, you know, he, he allowed the actors to be um, themselves a little bit and add in a little bit too, which brought it even more character. So I think Wayman did a really good job of trying to, to bring out the most out of the actors um, in order to get um, their maximum, you know, um, acting out there to, to make the film so powerful. So you put in a lot of work into making this film. How did you feel watching the finished product? It was um, it was very emotional, Raquel. <laughs> it, uh, it, first of all, you know, for your it's it's a very brave and courageous thing to put your life out on screen. Uh, you know, through the the children's book that I put together first, it was a lot to put my, myself out there. But once I saw it out on screen and saw the final product, it was emotional, first of all, to see how it came to life and to sort of relive a lot of some of the things that I'd gone through um, during those hard times of grief. Um, but at the same time, I had a lot of joy in watching it too, because there's a lot of funny things in My Daddy is in Heaven that, um, you know, it's not just a sad movie. There's a lot of wonderful, funny things that are along with it. And I really think that My Daddy is in Heaven really ends with a, um, you know, with a smile. So um, that's kind of, that's, that's how I ended watching it was with a smile and very, with a lot of thankfulness and gratefulness for everything that everyone put into this film. This film story brings up the importance of your faith in God to help get through your loss. In what ways did this tragedy help strengthen your faith? Um, I think a lot of times in, in life we, we have a choice. We can go away from God or we get closer to him. And in the situation, in my situation of uh, the tragedy that my daughter and I and, my, and our family experienced, it brought me closer to God and it really made me realize um, how powerful he is in our lives and the big plans that he has for us. And I believed um, in his um, plan for us. And I felt like by following that and really saying, okay, God, you know, show me what you have next. Um, and having an open mind to that and, and uh, being willing to step out and be brave and take those next steps out of grief and into back into life again, it's really brought a wonderful, wonderful um, story and, and journey into our, in our lives. And, the, and I say that because Today here I'm talking to you about a film that's been made out of our tragedy and our story, My Daddy is in Heaven, and I couldn't be more thankful and grateful and giving God the glory for um, allowing me to go through those hard times just so that I can inspire and help other people through our story. That sounds amazing. You sound like a woman of a lot of faith, putting your experiences and your story out there and just going through all of those things. I'm so impressed that you both run a farm and you're right, plus you're a mother. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today we're talking about G-Kids Studio Ghibli titles, Shout Factory, Napping Princess, My Daddy is in Heaven, My Neighbor Totoro, and A Dog on Adventure. Right now, Raquel is talking to Rebecca Crownover about her amazing story and all of the struggles that she's overcome, her book, her movie. It's a really heartwarming interview, so Raquel, I'd like to hear more about it. I'm going to pass it over to you. Thank you. Um, when you wrote this story, what did you hope your readers would take away? When I wrote My Daddy is in Heaven with Jesus, the children's book that I wrote after our tragedy that um, occurred back in 2009, I wrote it to, first of all, help my daughter, um, kind of help her through the healing process that she was going through. But secondly, to help other children find comfort in a time of loss so that they were, they don't, so that they realize they are not the only ones in life experiencing loss. And so I put my heart and soul into that book just so that I could inspire and help other children find comfort through our own story. And um, ultimately, you know, making it into a movie now, um, having those goals with that book has now um, transformed into this movie, My Daddy is in Heaven that I think has taken it even a step further and taken those goals and inspiring so many people. 
I unfortunately I haven't read your book from which the film is based on. But one of our other reporters noticed that the movie changes directions a bit from the book. Is that true? And if so, why were those changes made? That is true, Raquel. So the the children's book, My Daddy is in Heaven with Jesus, is a, a very short book and um, doesn't have all the details of everything that went, went we went through during that time. And as we turned it into the film, My Daddy is in Heaven, we decided to put more detail in it, into it and really focus on the actual story itself and not just the child in the book, but also the story of the mother and how the mother myself got through that with my child and through my family. And so um, we just expanded upon what the book had and put all the details in it per se. So you actually can see the true story that was behind all of that. Um, so that's kind of how we did it for My Daddy is in Heaven. I hope to read the um, book pretty soon. I see that most of your books are geared more towards children. Do you ever feel like you know you want to write books geared towards more adults? I have thought about that. I've actually um, I'm writing a chapter in Larry King's new book right now, um, and so I do things on an adult level. My daughter now that's tw- now that she's 11, she asks me all the time, "Mom, when are you going to make uh, start writing chapter books?" Because that's what she's writing. And so I'm like, "What? You're 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 done with children's books already?" <laughs> so um, you know, I um, I I am always trying new things, and so of course I am always trying to do things, whether it's adults, you know, or children, or maybe I need to look into chapter books now. Do you want your daughter to, you know, father, follow in your footsteps and write books and make movies like you? <laughs> well, I'd love that if she wanted to do that, and that was her passion. But ultimately, I want her to find her true gifts in life and her true passions. And if that's just like, you know, what I've been involved in and writing books and all of those kind of things, then I would love that so much but if not I want her to I know she has her own purpose and her own um, plan and I I want her to fulfill that as much as she can and and enjoy life um, as much as I do doing all of this fun stuff how did you feel about the actors cast to play in your you and your family members in the film Well, I could not be more proud and more thankful for each and every person that is playing in this film, My Daddy is in Heaven. I'm telling you what, they are so talented. And I, Jen Gottson that plays me, she is absolutely fantastic and amazing. She's she's an amazing person inside and out. And I've uh, been able to really get to know her. And, you know, Corbin Burnson plays my dad. Oh, he's just incredible. And um, there's also Riley St. John. She's a child actor, and she has she's out of um, L.A., and she is so much fun. She played my daughter, and she and my daughter have um, connected, and, and they FaceTime from time to time and, and have kept in touch. And, and um, she's uh, she's truly an amazing little actress. We're, we're just so proud of her. Um, and so there's every single person, I feel like, was just handpicked per- perfectly for this film. And... Um, um, Lane Garrison, who played my husband, he's amazing. Uh, Lee Bitten, who plays a, a role called Madge, she's really funny. So is Jill Morrison, who plays a, a role named, uh, uh, a character named June. Um, so all of them are just so amazing. And T.C. Stallings is in it, and Lorenzo Lamas. So um, there's just some good quality actors, but then just, just people that every single person that was involved, I couldn't be more proud of and thankful for. Thank you for all of your inspiring work sharing your experiences um i truly do hope you continue to put more books and movies out there for me to watch and read um i'm gonna pass it to samantha now but thank you for sharing with us thank you thank you raquel and rebecca for such a great interview i'm definitely moved by it and i can't wait to read the book and check out the film so thank you guys so much for your time we're going to take a quick break i'm samantha marcus and you're listening to kids first coming attractions today's show is sponsored by guess how much i love you and enchanting easter we're making it easier to listen to the voice america talk radio network live wherever you go on iphone blackberry or android download it from the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market 
To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hello and welcome back to the program, Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and we've been having a wonderful array of guests on today's show. We're going to continue the show talking about Doggone Adventure and also talking to Calliston Eden about my neighbor, the Totoro. So, um, Calliston Eden, thank you so much for being on the show. And I got to say, I'm a huge Studio Ghibli fan. I love House Moving Castle and Princess Mononoke. But I gotta be honest, I have yet to see My Neighbor to Totoro. That's on my list of films to see by this by Studio Ghibli. So, Calista, tell me a little bit about what this movie is. Well, first off, you're not alone in that department. I myself grew up with quite a few G- Ghibli films, yet never saw this one until recently. So, this film follows two sisters, Satsuki and May, as they move into an old house in the countryside. This house being um, surrounded by an area that is uh, populated with a bunch of different types of spirits, one of which is a forest spirit that they befriend and name Totoro. It's a very simple plot. It's not, it's, it's not as, like, over... It's not, like, over the top with its plot, like Howl's Moving Castle, or Castle in the Sky. Well, I remember those being very plot-driven. <laughs> well, that's simplicity of it. And um, Eden, um, so you've only seen like Kiki's Delivery Service before this, so you're fairly new to the Studio Ghibli kind of world that they've created. So, um, as a as a newcomer, how does it feel in watching um, My Neighbor the Totoro? It felt kind of strange, but <laughs> also. I liked it because it was something new instead of just the same instead of the same style over and over again. And that's also very interesting with Studio Ghibli. I mean, of course, the animation style looks similar. There's something new about it. And every single film is new and original and different. It makes you feel different emotions. And that's why Ghibli is just fantastic in his storytelling. So, Eden, what did you like about My Neighbor the Totoro? I like that it was kind of realistic because in some movies, a lot of movies have this problem. They just edit the any any like mistakes out. But in but in my neighbor Totoro, they added little mistakes to make it feel real. Like in some scenes, the character trips instead of just instead of just running. So can you actually before I get to Callista, can you elaborate what you mean by mistakes? Like in. Like instead of the character being perfect, they add they add little they add little faults and scenes that you and details that you don't even notice, but you just feel it. Interesting. And what does that add to you to your experience? It makes you feel like this is happening in real life, and because the characters feel so they feel so detailed and real. Like they would, like if the characters were in real life, they would feel exactly the same way. Interesting. That's that's actually a nice thing that I haven't even noticed when I was watching Ghibli films, and that's true. They really do, especially with like human movements. They just make it just so real and authentic. Um, Calista, since you have seen more Studio Ghibli films, like 
and since you're going into this neighborhood of having more knowledge of it, like, well, how does this compare to other films? Well, in terms of how it would compare, I feel like something about this one, there was this type of feeling that I felt with Totoro because I knew that My Neighbor Totoro is arguably the most popular and well-known Ghibli film of all of them. Yeah, people may know, say, Spirited Away, but when you think of Ghibli, it's oftentimes you think of Totoro. Totoro is the logo for the Studio Ghibli. And, I mean, so I, I came into this... With kind of high expectations, kind of just ended up... High expectations basically just ended up happening because of how well-known this film is. And I think it does hold up to those expectations. I think in terms of how it compares to the other ones, it. I feel like, personally, I will always prefer Ponyo the most. <laughs> because that has always been my favorite Ghibli movie. But I feel like this would definitely be probably my third favorite Ghibli movie. Well, I definitely need to check it out because it is, he is kind of the poster child of, of Studio Ghibli films. And, well, how can you blame him? He's just so adorable. He's just such a huggable. I need like 50 Totoro plushes or else my life won't be complete. Honestly, I, ha- I got one myself. Uh, I have one myself and it's the best thing ever and I still haven't seen it, but I love it so much. So cute. <laughs> You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and this show is sponsored by, guess how much I love you, Enchanting Easter. We're going to continue our show talking about My Neighbor the Tortoro and a doggone adventure. Speaking of adventure, we're going to continue our interview with the wonderful Eden and Calista about My Neighbor the Tortoro. So, Eden, uh, what did you think about the animation? Because what's great about Studio Ghibli is that it's hand-drawn. It uses oil, pastels, watercolors. Stuff that we're not used to seeing anymore because of CGI. How did that feel to you? I thought it was very detailed, and, and it was amazing to know that people actually hand-drew the scenes and that and that it took, like, an hour to make to make what was a second in the movie. And what did you think about just, like, the, the animation whole, like, the backgrounds and the environment? Like, what did you feel about that? I felt that it was, I felt that it was, I felt that it was very detailed and it was amazing because that, because it was, uh, it was like today movies, they have that kind of detail, but with CGI to know that people could do CGI level work with and doing it by hand is, is, is just, it's astonishing. It is definitely astonishing, and it's just just gorgeous. No matter what you think of Studio Ghibli films, you have to admit they're just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful films. So, Calista, this is going to be a strange question to ask you, but this is something I always noticed in Studio Ghibli films, is the sound. I don't know if you noticed, but, like, it, they sound, it doesn't sound, like, manufactured. It sounds like people are banging drums or, or like men are making, like, wind sounds or... Like, especially in, like, wind rises, like, when, like, a, like a plane flies through the air, it sounds like someone's, like, shh, and, like, it's altered. Did you, did the neighborhood, my neighbor, Totoro, have that? I get what you're, I, I can see what you're talking about with certain, like, sound effects and things, but also, it just really sounded pretty. Like, mm. the soundtrack in this movie was just gorgeous, and I remember it's, like, one scene, the combination of the animation and the soundtrack, I teared up a little because it was just so beautiful. And I'm not willing, I'm not just going to let that slide. I'm just, I'm not, I'm, I'm not willing to deny it. Like, I'm not going to deny the fact that I teared up watching one of these scenes just because of how pretty it was. Never deny that. I, I, gotta, I have to admit, too, like, there's just something about these films, especially Ghibli films, that's just so awe-inspiring. But uh, My Neighbor the Totoro is something that, again, I gotta go see it. But it's, from what I've seen, like, little clips, like, with the rain and with the beautiful nature and trees and greenery in it. It's just, it's breathtaking. Now, Eden, how many stars would you give this film, and what would you say is the age recommendation? I give it five out of five stars, and I recommend it for kids eight to 12, because it's, because this, because My Neighbor Totoro is really deep, and younger kids (laughs) probably wouldn't get it. 
Well, that's understandable. And uh, what would you say, Calista, is the age recommendation for you and how many stars should we give it? I'd say five out of five stars, not to be predictable, but this is a really good movie. And as for age rating, I'd say around six to 18. Six to 18, so a little bit younger. Why is that? Just out of curiosity. Well, I just feel that this is just a very just nice film. It's very, like... It's a pretty film. It's very enjoyable. I just feel like it's something that, you know, it, it's... I mean, this film is considered one of the greatest family films of all time, and I can see where that's coming from. It's just something just... It just feels very peaceful and nice and just something you can enjoy. I would totally agree. Well, thank you so much, Eden and Callista, for talking about My Neighbor, the Totoro. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, too. This film is out on DVD now, especially since G Kids just came out with the, with the Blu-ray editions. You can get them out at Walmart. You can get if you are hungry with Studio Ghibli films, go check out My Neighbor the Totoro, House Movie Castle, Princess Mononoke, Kiki's Delivery Service, and many more. Go check them out because I have to say I grew up with these films, and they are some of the best animated films you're ever going to see put on screen so please go check them out as soon as possible with that said let's take a break i'm your host keeper blakesley and this show is sponsored by guess how much i love you an enchanting easter we're making it easier to listen to the voice america talk radio network live wherever you go on iphone blackberry or android download it from the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market to become a Kids First Film Critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Samantha Marcus, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about My Neighbor Totoro, and next we'll be talking with Morgan, who's from L.A. and is 13, about a doggone adventure. Welcome to the show, Morgan. Thank you for having me. So, I haven't seen this film, but it has dog in it. And anything with dogs, I just absolutely love, and I'm assuming there's a dog in it, but I just want you to tell me what the film is about, and if you really loved it or not. Well, the film is about a lovely dog named Murphy, who is played by Jesse, the Jack Russell Terrier. So, of course, the breed is Jack Russell Terrier, who I love. I think those dogs are very cute. And then, basically, Murphy is a telepathic dog, so he can basically think towards you. So you can basically hear his, um, what he's trying to say to you, but he can't move his mouth and talk. And oh so, my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like crazy if people could be able to do that, yet alone dogs. And yeah. And if your dog just started doing that, you'd be like, what? Am I going insane? <laughs> <laughs> and then he finds a bunch of kids named David Hill, Ricky Hill, Jeremy Tunstay, um, then Jenny Kaplan, and Sheldon the Brain. And they all join up and try and help each other's mysteries because these kids are trying to find out a bunch of stuff about aliens because their dad, um, Mer- uh, David Hill's dad and Ricky Hill's dad, 
their brother. So their dad is kind of like a person who's a talk show host. And he does Mysteries and Salt is the name of the show. And they do things on aliens. And they want to find an alien and be like him. Wow, that sounds, honestly, I haven't heard of a plot like that before. It sounds like it was just a, a great film. I mean, couldn't you agree? I think it is. I think it's really cute. So, since the film was so good and it's about aliens and dogs and, you know, especially a telepathic dog. I mean, I haven't seen a movie like that before. And who doesn't love telepathic dogs? I love that they came up with that. Would you say that you had a favorite character? Of course it has to be Murphy. I mean, you're just mind blown by what he can do. He's very smart, intelligent. The person who voiced over him is very cute. And I had the pleasure of meeting him along with the kids. And they are all very talented and quirky and silly. And you're just like, wow, the two of you just met all of you mix like peanut butter and jelly. Wow. So you met them. What was it like meeting the dog? I mean, was it the same dog in the film or was it like, you know how sometimes they have... You know, they bring out the dogs that look like the one in the film, but it wasn't actually him. You actually got to meet the dog. Well, I did not get to meet the dog. I did not get to meet Jesse. I got to meet the person who voiced Dover Murphy. Oh, okay. Just wanted to clarify that. Oh, that's great. That must have been very interesting. That's so cool that you got to meet them. So would you say that you had a favorite scene in the film? I would definitely say that my favorite scene had to be the one where they took the flying machines and they got to fly in the air and we got to see like the hot air balloons and they had a bunch of like really old Easter eggs as we would call them. So like the flying air balloons were kind of a memory to some old TV shows and then they had one with Wiley Coyote and then they had they had a memory of like old flip phones because the machines that they used to fly in the space and over in the air were basically they took a flip phone and then they turned it upside down and just added like a few little things like the handlebars. And then they said, OK, that's what we're going to use to make the kids fly into space. Wow, that's so creative. They had. So this movie sounds like it's very futuristic, right? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much futuristic, mixed with like a few things from our modern modern day world. So it's like a mix of what we think was going to be the future and what we think is going to be happening in today's world, or what is happening in today's world. I think that's, wow, that's really creative. So did you say that, would you say that you could relate to the film in any way? I mean, you said that you love dogs. I mean, do you have a dog of your own? As a matter of fact, I do. I have a Cocker Spaniel Poodle whose name is Dust Bunny, a.k.a. Dusty. Oh, that's so cute. So did you think that when you were watching the movie, did it make you think of the dogs that you have at home? I think, yeah, it does. It makes everybody think that they either want a pet if they don't have a dog or it makes them remember their pet. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, anytime I see a movie about a dog, it's just, you know, it's very heartwarming. I think dogs are awesome. So... You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today we're talking about G-Kids Studio Ghibli titles, Shout Factory and Napping Princess, My Daddy is in Heaven, My Neighbor Totoro, and A Dog on Adventure. Right now we're talking to Morgan about A Dog on Adventure, and she was just telling me about her dog at home and how she saw this film, and she loved it, and there's aliens and futuristic themes, and it's basically a film that there's something for everybody to enjoy. So... Would you say that there should be a sequel to this film? They actually said that they're going to make a sequel to this film, and I'm really excited to see it. I cannot wait. Wow, okay, that's that's great. Yeah, now i got to check out the first one to catch up with the second one, because, you know, just by... I saw the cover of it, and it just looks... It just looks so cute. I mean, the dog is so cute, and, you know, it, it just looks like a really fun, family-friendly movie, so... I don't want you to give away the ending, but would you say that you were satisfied with the ending, or do you think that in the sequel they're going to continue on with that? I mean, what did you think about the ending? I was kind of a mix, because I think that they could have gone a different way with the ending, and at the same time, I think that they could have made it a little more heartfelt. But other than that, I think it was pretty good, because he did end up going to a nice place. Right. Okay. That's That sounds good. No spoilers because we don't like spoilers on this show. I guess one of my other questions to you would be, why should somebody see this film? Let's say they're not even a dog person or let's say they don't even, you know, they just don't really want to see it. Why would you tell somebody that they need to see it? Oh, you know what? That's a good question. I mean, 
Probably because it has so many Easter eggs and like they have a lookalike of Clint Eastwood. So if you ever like Clint Eastwood, you'd be able to go and see that. Also, it's very fun in the mysteries and sci-fi dogs. If you're not a dog person, you know, then animals, of course. The number one rule in Hollywood is never mix uh, kids and animals together. Yet these people were daring enough to do it. I mean, come on, that is just crazy. And then parents, it's basically unsolved mysteries about ghosts and strange things. And it's just really fun for kids as well. So kids will really love this along with adults. And then the kids will think that it's very fun and silly. And it's basically kids, parents, teenagers. And the kids and parents were trying to find unsolved mysteries about ghosts and strange things. So they'll be able to have a relationship to that if they don't want to see the film. Interesting. I didn't think about it that way. And I didn't know the rule in Hollywood that you shouldn't mix animals and kids together. I think that that's so interesting. And now every time I see a movie about that, I'll think about that. So thank you for sharing that. Well, they say not to mix them because they'll think the kids will always, like, get interested in the dog or the animal and be like, oh, so cute, and they'll just forget about their task. (laughs) That's actually, that's probably true. I mean, I haven't seen a film lately like that, but that's probably a, a good idea. So what would you say is the main moral or message that people can take away from this film? Probably to treat animals correctly because it's very important that you treat your pets correctly and that you do the right thing with your animals because they are a part of your family. Yeah, I agree. Animals, they need to be cherished and it's really important that, you know, they are a part of your family, like you said. So my last question to you is what would you say is the age and the star rating for this film? I would say that the age range for this would probably be around four to around 13 to 14. I think kids will probably think it's very fun and silly and quirky. And then they will think that it's also very adorable with the animals. And then adults, if they want to go ahead and see it, they'll probably like it. And they'll probably think that it's really cute. Wow, that's great. I really appreciate your feedback, and I can't wait to check it out. So thank you so much, Morgan, for talking about A Doggone Adventure. And the star rating for this, that is four and a half out of five barking dogs that are telepathic. I really like what you just said. That's great. We should have that as a trademark. (laughs) So thank you so much for talking about this film. If you want to check it out, everybody, it's out next week, and I definitely recommend it, and Morgan does too. So definitely go check it out. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our blog in the teen section of Huffington Post, and check out our YouTube channel. You can get there easily from our homepage at kidsfirst.org. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for the Voice America Kids Network. Today's show is sponsored by Guess How Much I Love You and Enchanting Easter. I'm Samantha Marcus, and I want to wish you a National Oreo Cookie Day. Get some fried Oreos at the movie theater and check out these amazing films, as long as checking out the Oscars if you haven't seen those yet. Thanks for listening. again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week.